From the MGMA in-home studios, welcome to the Insights Podcast. I'm Daniel Williams. So shift worker is generally um, anyone who's employed with irregular or rotating hours. So it's not just the nine to five. You might have different hours on Monday than you do on Tuesday. You might have different, might not even work on Tuesday. So that's generally what we refer to as shift workers, uh, which a lot of people in the healthcare market and the healthcare um, you know, labor force, uh, uh, they fall into that as well. That's Tom Vogel talking about shift workers in the role they play in the healthcare industry. We'll hear more from Tom in just a moment, but first, a word from our sponsors. MDVIP's fee-based wellness program provides a better, more personalized primary care experience for patients and physicians alike, while providing consistent, stable revenue to their practice. In the October 13th free webinar, Boost Satisfaction and Revenue with an Innovative Primary Care Model, learn how MDVIP affiliated practices achieved unparalleled satisfaction while generating healthy returns by meeting the changing needs of patients. Go to mgma.com slash events to register today. As a healthcare organization, you routinely check your patient's health, but when was the last time you checked the financial health of your business? Don't let bad billing processes keep you from your hard-earned revenue. CareCloud's free revenue cycle assessment uncovers billing mistakes so you can see how to claim every last dollar. Get your free assessment by visiting carecloud.com slash assessment. CareCloud has over 20 years of experience helping organizations boost profitability and optimize their financial operations. So don't miss out on your free assessment by visiting carecloud.com slash assessment. Our guest today is Tom Vogel. Tom is Clinic's business lead at Deputy, an industry leader in all-in-one workforce management, offering solutions that simplify employee scheduling, timesheets, tasking, and communication. Tom, thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you, Daniel. Really happy to be here. All right. Um, so for our audience, uh, give us an idea of your healthcare journey. What has your background looked like and brought you to the moment where you are right now with Deputy? <laughs> yeah. Um, well, I actually started my career on the political side. Uh, and, and, and needless to say, healthcare is a topic that is frequently discussed in that world. Although I didn't take you know, particular interest in it you know, over any of the other commonly commonly discussed issues um, until a little bit later as I, as I got a little older and I saw my own father interact with, with the healthcare system more and more. And then I started paying more attention to the healthcare discussions. And, and the more you learn, the more you peel back some of those layers. Uh, I saw some of the, the same problems that, that we're all trying to, that we're all discussing and trying to, to help with now, you know, the inefficiencies in the system, the misaligned incentives and 
once I saw all of that, I thought I mean, maybe I should you know, make a move in that direction. So I, I moved into the healthcare and the health tech side and tried to do whatever I could, even if marginally, to help you know, improve the healthcare system. So I've worked a little bit on uh, price transparency. I've done some work uh, reemphasizing kind of primary care and the importance of you know, PCPs and having a relationship there. And then uh, that led me to where I am here at Deputy, where we spend, you know, 100% of our time focusing on shift workers. So in this instance, it's the, you know, frontline um, healthcare workers and clinicians and trying to make mm-hmm. their days, you know, easier and better. Okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned Deputy, the company where you are now. Uh, for our listeners, just give us a little bit of background about Deputy. I know that uh, we were talking offline. You've got uh, a big stronghold in Australia. You, you guys are in the Bay Area. So give us an idea of who Deputy is and, and what you guys are doing. Yeah, absolutely. So Deputy is about a 12-year-old company. We were started in Australia. And the sole focus is around um, shift workers and, and, and you know, kind of the shift work economy. So we, we're a workforce management shift scheduling software system, which just helps enable um, those processes to be a little bit easier automated, a little more efficient. Uh, we have um, a little under 300,000 workplaces that we work with across the world. Um, because we started in Australia, obviously a big stronghold there, but, but again, like I said, across the world. Uh, and, and we've more recently emphasized, you know, the American market a little bit more freak, more, and uh, healthcare is one of the places we've seen the most growth. Um, so that, that's a little bit of background of who we are and kind of, kind of how I got here and kind of how we got here. Okay. You did use a term there, shift workers, and I, when I was researching you guys, it, that actually was a little bit of a new term for me. It seems intuitive that it would make sense, but just give us an idea then. What, what do you mean by shift worker, and just help us understand that term a little bit better? Yeah, so shift worker is generally um, anyone who's employed with irregular or rotating hours. So it's not just the nine to five. You might have different hours on Monday than you do on Tuesday. You might have different, might not even work on Tuesday. So that's generally what we refer to as shift workers, uh, which a lot of people in the healthcare market and the healthcare, um, you know, labor force, uh, uh, they fall into that as well. Okay. Now you're currently clinics business lead at deputy. What does that entail? What are you up to in that role and where's your focus currently? Yeah. Um, so we use the term clinics kind of interchangeably with healthcare. The reason we chose clinics is because uh, a lot of our, most of our customers are on the SMB kind of smaller business side, but we absolutely work with mid-market and enterprise customers, you know, customers of all size. Um, and what does that entail? So kind of like what I just said, uh, it's, it's a kind of a laser focus on improving the lives of shift workers, or in this specific instance, it's those kind of frontline clinicians. Um, a lot of that is working directly with customers so it could be figuring out um, how to take processes that they have and, and adapt them into deputy and make, make those processes as efficient as possible to make their days easier and give them more time back. Um, that could also be talking to customers and, and taking their feedback back to our product team to make sure that we have the right features um, and the right kind of uh, utility within our product to offer them the value that they need to, to make sure where we are you know, giving them the benefit that we're looking to do. Uh, additionally, it, it's, it's taking what we've learned with our kind of uh, insights across the, you know, the shift work economy, as I said, and, and, and kind of sharing that with the market as well to help kind of represent that voice a little bit 
uh, within the dialogue within healthcare. Mm -hmm. um, I want to talk globally with you for just a minute. It's interesting that you guys have, uh, you know, your origins uh, kind of across the, the globe here in Australia. You and I were talking about a week or so ago about um, supply chains, the distribution right now. We're seeing shortages in all kinds of industries. We're, we're seeing certainly staffing shortages in the healthcare world. We're also seeing just supply shortages. I wanted you to give us a little bit of a perspective on that. I know you have that political background, not to, <laughs> we're not trying to stir a hornet's nest here, but just give <laughs> us some ideas uh, about what's going on, because I know at Deputy, you guys have done some different studies um, on that global economy, whether it's looking at uh, workforces, it's looking at some of the supply chains, different things. What are you thinking about and what are you looking at that can help you inform your clients and uh, other people that you're working with? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, definitely not trying to stir up a hornet's nest here. Politics <laughs> can be a difficult thing to discuss with anyone, even if they agree with you nowadays. Right. Um, but, but I think generally, um, what we're seeing is probably really similar to what many of, of, of us are seeing or reading about um, in general. So specifically when it comes to healthcare, um, there's obviously a labor shortage and there's a burnout problem as well. Um, we all know the baby boomers are getting older and as they get older, uh, that's a huge part of the workforce that's, that's leaving the workforce. And in the healthcare um, uh, industry specifically, they leave the workforce, then they turn around and, and need help from that workforce. So uh, since we're not hiring at the same rates as we were to replace the one-to-one -one loss of those baby boomers, um, that alone creates a little bit of a, of a shortage, which, which adds burnout to those that are in the market that have to kind of step up a little bit and, and maybe work a little bit more. On top of that, with the size of the baby boomers uh, of that generation, we can't just replace one to one. We have to replace, you know, 1.5 or two to one because we're, the demands are getting higher as well. Um, so that's kind of a self-perpetuating kind of cycle, which causes this burnout to take place because mm -hmm. the people that are actually employed now are working more and more and more to compensate for those that are leaving and for the, the increased demand. Throw a global pandemic on top of that. And you can only imagine, you know, why we're seeing all these articles about, labor shortages and burnout. And this isn't, uh, healthcare is not an industry like retail or hospitality where maybe, you know, if you don't have someone at the front desk, you can, you can, you can shift things around and get by. If you don't have a clinician to speak to someone who has a, an illness or a life-threatening problem, you know, that's not something you can just kind of gloss over. If I walk into a hotel and there's not somebody at the front desk and I have to wait a few extra minutes, I'll still be okay. Um, so this is obviously a much, much bigger issue. Um, but as you said, you know, what's cool at Deputy with our global reach, as well as the, you know, 300,000 workplaces that we have, is that we have a really wide uh, view of this and a huge breadth of, of, of information um, around this kind of, <clears throat> excuse me, this shift work economy, it's, which you keep on hearing me say, it's something that, we, mm -hmm. that we've talked about a lot. And, and with that, we actually put out a report uh, about six months ago, maybe or actually less, it was in July of this year, called the uh, Shift Work Economy Report, where we took 
all of the data across all of our geographies, all of those workplaces, all of the different industries that we work in to try to, to help understand more what's happening. Um, because, you know, 80% of the global workforce are people that are in shift working roles. So as I said, you know, irregular or rotating hours. Um, so this is obviously a huge, huge segment of the working population uh, and it impacts, you know, everybody across the world. What was most interesting about this, which kind of uh, feeds into what I was just saying around the, the burnout and the, and the labor shortage issue uh, on the healthcare side, is that on average, you know, on average across all industries, we saw that baby boomers were working more hours than any other generation. Uh, they were working about 30 shifts per month. And that was that resulted in extended extended hours and, and not very many days off. And like the vast majority of that growth was was in the healthcare sector. Mm -hmm. And in the healthcare sector, that's about a hundred for, for us for this report, that's about 130,000 shift workers and six million different scheduled shifts. So this isn't this is a pretty good sample size of what's of what's going on. Uh, on top of that, in general, we've seen that shift workers are working more hours than they ever have before per month. Um, and the average hours are significantly influenced by increases in the healthcare sector and, and the services sector, you know, during the pandemic. What I found really, really interesting is if you look at it from a generational perspective, uh, the younger generations are working less hours than the older generations. So the, the, when you go from Gen Z to millennials to Gen X to baby boomers, they increasingly work more and more hours, which I don't know if we have a really good answer for why is that the case? I mean, you could think that, you know, baby boomers as they're older, they don't necessarily have families they need to take care of anymore. So they might have more free time, but at the same time, we've seen birth rates drop. So Gen Z probably has more time on their hands as well. Less of them have families as well. So why are they working the least number of hours? I don't really have a good explanation for that, but I think what a really interesting takeaway is, is once we've spoken, you know, we just, just spoke about this, this labor shortage um, and this burnout issue. If baby boomers are the generation that, that are shouldering the burden of these extra hours and they're the ones that are most likely to retire, it seems to me that this problem isn't going away anytime soon. It's a little bit of a warning shot for the healthcare industry. Not only is it not going to go away, but it seems like it's going to get worse. If we're relying on baby boomers, on average, they were working 225 hours a month. And those, that generation is going to not only be leaving this market, but then demanding care from this market, then we really need to figure something out, whether it's, you know, hiring, whether it's automation, whether it's, um, becoming more efficient. I mean, it's probably a combination of all of those things, uh, but but something needs to be done because this 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 issue that we're all talking about currently seems to only be getting worse. Mm -hmm. I want you uh, touched on a lot of aspects there of this evolving uh, workforce and this workforce dilemma we have. I want to make sure I got one of these statistics correct. I believe I heard you say we have 80% of our workforce are shift workers. And I want to unpack that a little bit because I've been working about 30 plus years in the workforce and I've always been not a shift worker. I've been a nine to five person and maybe I've just seen it from a limited point of view, I've been in my own bubble, uh, no matter where I've been working. So is that, did I hear you right? Is that 80% of the workforce are shift workers? Is that right? 
globally speaking. It's globally obviously speaking. much more skewed, you know, in the United States and, or in the developed world where you have more salary jobs and more regular nine to five jobs. But when you look at the globe, um, yeah, 80% of those of, of the global workforce have irregular or rotating hours. That is remarkable. Okay, so let's let's look at about it a little. Point seven billion people, so a little under three billion people in the world work that way. So that's about a third of the world's population as a whole. Wow. Okay. Okay. So let's talk about it this way then. So I'll just give you an idea from MGMA's perspective. We are, you know, we're educators and we uh, develop data and different aspects. <clears throat> Excuse me. We support healthcare workers uh, in those ways. So once the pandemic hit, we were, you know, told to work remotely. And we only in the last few weeks have come back on a limited basis uh, to our, uh, you know, in our office where we're seeing people face to face, but we were about 18 months working at home. With these shift workers, um, is there the capability to work remotely or were they all in face-to-face -face type situations where they needed to be in the office? Well, a lot of it depends on the specific job and the specific function that you have. But um, on a global perspective, uh, the vast majority of the global population doesn't have, you know, the technology or the, the systems in place to be able to do their jobs on a, in a remote fashion. That's, that's oh. again, kind of developed world versus developing world. And we both know that in the healthcare uh, sector specifically, uh, there is a person-to-person -person component that, I mean, even with telemedicine, there is still a person-to-person -person component that you just, you just can't escape. Right. It, it, that's a perfect segue because I really wanted to talk to you about this. You and I did have a phone call a week or so ago, and we talked about some of these issues. But one of the things you told me there was you said that from the clinical side, and I think that's what you're getting at here, there's always going to be certain challenges. There's always going to be certain difficulties there. You're, from the clinical side, you're going to need to be in that office, meet with those patients to a certain, you know, to make things work, uh, to, to be able to help uh, those patients and get them well or continue to monitor people as well. But you said that... Um, there can be some major changes, some real changes that can be made more from that operational and administrative side. So it can wind up lifting some of the burdens from clinicians. Talk about that. I wanna hear more about what you are getting at there and help us understand what you're getting at. Yeah, absolutely. Um, one of the, I mean, to your point, obviously the, the clinical, the, the, the requirements of a clinician are always gonna be difficult. There's a physical toll and an emotional toll uh, when it comes to that part of a, that specific job, providing healthcare to another human being, you know, that's always going to be difficult. You know, a lot of the conversations, the conversations that a clinician has on a day-to-day -day basis, um, on the patient side, that might be the most important conversation they have that day, that week, that month, that year. But that's the conversation that the clinician's having multiple times a day, day-to-day, back-to-back. And I can only imagine how draining that is. I know how drained I am with my role and it's nothing compared to that, right? Mm -hmm. So that is something that's always going to be there no matter what you do, no matter what software, no matter how efficient your processes are, that's always going to be there. And when we talk about this burnout and the staff shortage, labor shortage, 
a lot of what you hear and a lot of what's happening right now are, you know, you hear about these incentives and these different kind of bonuses and special things you're offering that are being offered to the people, you know, healthcare workers to try to compensate for it. So you hear about, you know, um, signing bonuses or you hear about, you know, pizza parties. And as I said, the deputy, we focus on the shift worker. We focus on those frontline workers and our goal is to try to, to, to make their days a little bit easier. So our theory is, is, instead of giving somebody a slice of pizza at the end of their hard shift, their hard day, why don't you just make everything outside of that clin clinical part, the parts that we can control a little bit more, just make that a little bit easier. So what does that mean? Um, for example, um, let's say I am, you know, uh, a shift worker. I'm, I'm, a, I'm an NP. I spent my entire day in the ICU working with, with you know, a bunch of COVID patients and it's a pretty, pretty, um, long, draining, tough day. Once I get off my shift, I look at my phone, I have a text saying that I need to take Friday off because, you know, I have to go to my kid's uh, school for a presentation or something. How do, how do you typically handle that, right? I would send a text to my circle of friends at work saying, hey, can anybody take this shift? And Daniel, maybe you respond, you know, you don't really want to take the shift, but you know, you know, we're friends and you want to, you want to do me a solid. So you say, I'll take care of it for you, Tom. You know, you respond a couple hours later. I get this information, pass it off to our supervisor, who then replies back to me a couple hours later saying, unfortunately, Daniel can't take this shift. Uh, that's going to put him into overtime and we, we can't approve overtime for him right now. Mm -hmm. Then I say, okay, text you back. I have to do the same thing again, but expand the network of people that I reach out to through email and text that I don't know as well. Hopefully somebody responds, do the same song and dance with my, with my supervisor. This can take hours, this can take days. And I just got off of this super long draining shift at the ICU. And all I wanna do is go home and talk to my kid that I'm gonna you know, go see his, his presentation or his, his project at school on Friday. Instead of that taking two hours, two days, there are ways using software you can have that take two minutes, like literally two minutes. So for this is just one example using deputy because this is what I know the best, but within deputy in that same instance, you could go into an app, you could post that shift and that shift is only posted. It's sent out instantly only to the individuals within our organization who could take that shift, who would be approved by the supervisor. Prior to me to sending that guardrails had been put in place within the software saying that, if someone's going to take this shift, they have to have a certain type of training. They can't go into overtime. They have to be available, you know, all these different rules. So then that instantly goes out as a push notification to everybody that is potentially able to take the shift. Somebody clicks on it and then I get an, I get a, a alert within minutes saying that that shift's taken. I don't even have to go to my supervisor for approval. The supervisor doesn't even need to approve it if they don't want to, because those guardrails are in place. They know that no matter what, you're going to get the right person at the right time in the right place to take the shift and they don't have to worry about overtime or about training requirements or any of that. So that's just one example of not only does it goes from, from involving, you know, 10, 15, 20, 30, 50, 60 people and multiple conversations with my supervisor. It now becomes just one click of a button for me, one click of a button for someone else, two minutes, and now it's all taken care of. So that's an example of, two days of stress that can be taken care of in two minutes, but it's not just this, the, the, the scheduling component. You know, it can also be on the HR management side. You get an HR management software that will help uh, the, when you have a new hire, for example, we think about this from day one of the job to their day to day at the job. 
to every pay period and, and, and onwards from there. So before I get hired, I have all this mountain of papers I need to, to bring in. Uh, I, you know, ID, W9, training requirements, all of that. That can be sped up and automated with an HR system, um, like a Bamboo HR or a Sapley and what have you. And that system can then be connected into a day-to-day -day kind of scheduling software. So once a person's in that system, really quickly, they can start working. There's no double duplicate uh, uh, data entry to get them into other downstream, downstream systems like scheduling. And then on a day-to-day -day basis, you know, we talked a little bit about how we can make that easier, you know, with the example of the, of the swapping shifts. But then let's say after, you know, let's say Daniel, um, you know, you do end up taking that shift, you know, that, that in another scenario, you end up picking up a shift for me. And then you get off a long day working in the ER and you go check your phone because you know it's payday and you look and the shift you picked up for me isn't included in your paycheck. Mm -hmm. The last thing you want to do in that moment is then have to go to your boss and say, oh no, I didn't get paid correctly. And he goes, go talk to HR and then HR points you to finance and then finance says, I'll get back to you in a little bit. So the you know, last thing you want to do is have that happen as well. So you can have your scheduling and timekeeping software hooked into your payroll provider, whether it be ADP, Gusto, Rippling, Paychecks, Paycom, I mean, you name it, any, any number of them. And, and with compliance overlay within your time and attendance software like Deputy, you can make sure that not only is someone getting paid correctly uh, at the end of their shift for their expertise and for the time that they put in, but it's also done within, within compliance to local um, labor laws and regulations. So none of that's a concern. So no longer do you have this issue at the end of your shift of, of you know, this, this pile of, of administrative tasks you might have to, to handle after a long draining day. No longer do you have to bug your boss or your administrator about any of this. The administrator knows all this stuff is taken care of. It's taken off of everybody's plate and it just kind of works. So that's kind of what I'm talking about where the, 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 the parts of the job outside of the actual clinical work where you can't really control um, the clinical work, but you can control the rest of this. So let's make that a lot easier for our clinicians and our frontline workers. Mm -hmm. If you're one of the people, because staffing is one of those issues where it's like, I, I see the beauty of this because it does make it way more efficient to slot people there. Are you, as that shift worker, what is your administrative burden? I mean, as far as checking and looking, or do you just look at your schedule at a certain point and you see, okay, I'm now scheduled Tuesday from three to 10 or something like that? Or are you having to, you know, spend a lot of time in there to just keep continuing to check to make sure? What, what is that, you know, time frame, uh, the, uh, you know, the time sensitivity of it as well because is it limited in how soon it would put you on a schedule like you know you might already have plans or give us an idea of that you know because because you you don't want to be you don't want to let the team down I guess is what I'm trying to get at but at the same time you want to uh, make sure that you're getting as many hours in there as you might want or need yeah um, that really comes down to the individual organization and how they do their scheduling. Obviously, uh, we would recommend you don't schedule someone a day beforehand. You know, that's not really a best practice if you want, right. to, if you want to ensure coverage. Um, but, but if anything were to change or happen at the last minute, um, what, what you do with deputies, we try to enable and empower 
the, that kind of end user. So these clinicians, these frontline workers, uh, they have the ability to control their schedule more than they do, uh, you know, with deputy than they do maybe in, in the current system. So you wouldn't necessarily, if anything were to switch at the last minute, it would because it would be because you've chosen to do that. Ah, okay. So you you've okay. chosen to switch the swap shifts, or you've chosen to give up a shift. And obviously, the longer you wait, closer to that shift, the harder it is to get filled. Um, so it really it really comes down to the end user and their own their own choice. Um, but but I mean, you do see you know per diem staffing agencies that that try to to flip shifts you know on a on a day to day basis. And if you've signed up for that, and we do work with some of those organizations as well. But, but in those instances, that, that end user, that, that worker, that, that NP or that PA or whomever, um, they've chosen to, to do per diem staffing. So they're ready for that kind of volatility. Um, but, but in general, yeah, we, we empower the end user so they can make those decisions themselves. And if there is anything last minute, it's because they've decided to do that you know, for their own good. Okay. And there's a mobile capability here. So you could be like, we're in Colorado, so we might be up in the mountains and then, but you might check it just to make sure like in the next 24 to 48 hours, you might be added to a shift. So you could just check your phone and get back down the mountain, I guess, if you needed to do that. Yeah. So that's one way it could happen. Um, but you could also set guardrails within the system. Again, talk about empowering your employees to, to maybe not allow you to be, to be rescheduled, you know, that quickly turn around if you have time off or if you're going to be away from the workplace. So it, yeah, there's a mobile component. It's kind of, you know, very, very easy to use kind of like a consumer, you know, app. I was going to maybe use Instagram as an example, but we saw what happened to Instagram yesterday <laughs> being down all day. So I think that's not the best exactly. example of a good, of a good consumer app, but it's pretty easy to use. If you can use, you know, an Instagram, you can use the deputy app. And a lot of these things happen through push notifications. So right. you, won't, you won't miss anything. Um, again, it's really just to empower the end user and make it as simple as possible for them to take control of their own schedule so that they can, you know, A, have peace of mind and B, just have a smoother, easier, more frictionless, you know, day. Good point. So what about the KPIs then? Once you have this in place, what are you looking at? What are you measuring to make sure, hey, this is helping, helping with efficiencies. It's helping, you know, guard against that burnout you were talking about. It's helping uh, really with the bottom line, making sure you're fully staffed, you've got the whole team or enough of a team in there to take care of whatever's in front of them. What, what are some of those benchmarks and KPIs to study? Yeah. So the, the, that's a really great question. Um, cause there's one thing to put a, to put a system in place. And it's another thing to, to use that system to, to know, A, know that it's doing well and B to make sure that you're, you're meeting all the challenges or, or, or you know, that, that you have, um, the KPIs that I think are kind of the foundational ones would obviously be like unfilled shifts, right? Mm -hmm. uh, the unfilled shifts, A, not only is it mean that you have less people on staff, which is you don't want, you want to be up to, to the full staffing um, um, capabilities when you need to be, but that, that then feeds in more to that burnout, right? Every time you have an unfilled shift, you're asking the others on that, on that, on your uh, team that are working that day to work a little extra, to, to make up for that individual not being there. So not only is that important just for efficiency, but it's also has downstream impacts on the rest of your staff. If they're constantly being asked to, to work extra because you have an unfilled shift, then that's more, that's a more of a grinding day um, for them. And then of course, overtime <clears throat> is another really important KPI. You know, the amount of overtime that you want. Organizations budget 
specifically for how much overtime they, they want to allow. Those budgets have been increasing consistently over the, the last number, you know, past number of years. Um, so having those two and, and setting kind of um, uh, benchmarks and what you'd like to see, you know, there's an acceptable amount of, un, of unfilled shifts. There's an acceptable amount of overtime that you pay, but then there's an unacceptable amount and you need to, that's different for each organization, but they kind of need to figure that out. So those are two kind of the foundational ones. Right, really mean, oh, go ahead, Tom. Yeah, real quickly, Daniel, this one was really interesting. It just kind of remembered this as I, as I spoke about um, swapping shifts, but in overtime, I recently spoke with a customer who was trying, they had set up KPIs of their own for their organization um, around uh, shifts picked up. So every single member of the staff was required to pick up, you know, X number of shifts over a quarter, let's say. I can't remember the details, but they had to pick up, let's say, four shifts, extra shifts over the quarter. That was super interesting. That's something I hadn't heard before. Um, we worked with them with some of the, the customer reporting capabilities we have to, to get that taken care of for them um, so they can, they can report on that and make sure that the KPIs were met by, for the individuals. But my takeaway was that this burnout and this labor shortage is hitting such a point that no longer in, in this industry, in healthcare, are you required to just do your job? You're required to do your job as well as help do other people's jobs for them a little bit, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, it, just, it just kind of blew my mind a little bit that that was no longer like, hey, you're doing me a great you know, favor. It was, this is actually required of your job that you do this. So uh, just, just an interesting kind of anecdote that I, that I just remembered when, when we brought that up as far as KPIs go. Right, right. Well, thanks for sharing that part with us. And as a final question, I really did want to get back to that initial uh, idea you were talking about with burnout. Um, In implementing uh, platforms like Deputy Has and other ones that are out there, do do you have any example, uh, anecdote, anything you can share with us where it has helped kind of lessen that burden of stress and burnout that is facing so many healthcare workers? Oh, absolutely. Um, um, we actually have a, we have a number of different case studies around this. I'm trying to think off the top of my head. Um, I, I recommend, you know, if you want to learn more about it, uh, deputy.com backslash clinics. We have all the information you might want to know. We have a ton of case studies. But the one thing that I hear most um, is the, the two things you hear most are from the person, the administrator actually developing the schedules. Uh, and, the, and And I don't know, the, the, the common thing that we always hear is it went from days, you know, multiple days, sometimes up to two weeks to build a schedule out. Because if you think about scheduling, it's kind of this giant jigsaw puzzle mm-hmm. with this very kind of, kind of precarious equilibrium where it's balancing. And as soon as you move one piece, it's like Jenga, like the whole thing <laughs> kind of falls. So you need to be able to have some perspective on what the impact of that one piece is. Uh, so, and that's where, that's where software can help you with that, right? So um, it might take two weeks to figure out all the different scenarios and all the different Jenga pieces and the, and the, the puzzle pieces to come together. And then something changes because a tire is flat or a kid's sick or, you know, life happens. Um, so we hear, you know, it takes two weeks and then they say it takes, you know, two hours instead. And then the other side, the real aha moment or the place where we get the most positive feedback, again, on like the, clini- on the clinical worker side, on the, the shift worker side, is probably in the shift swapping. 
um, just because that is very tangible time, energy, effort, and stress that is no longer part of your day. Um, Cause everybody has life happen. Everybody has to switch, you know, swap a shift at some point. Um, so anyone who's ever worked a job, a, a shift, a shift working job knows how, how awful that can be. You know, I worked in restaurants for a long time and I've, you know, when I was younger and, and I know for a fact, and, and our CEO and founder always talks about his days when he was working at Burger King in Australia and, and, you know, how, how difficult that was for him as well. So it's something that everybody can kind of relate to, right, but, right. but if you want more information, more specifics, more specific data around that, again, uh, highly recommend, uh, you go to deputy.com backslash clinics and, uh, they probably have a little more specific than I just, than I just gave you there. All right. Well, Tom, I want to thank you for joining us on the podcast and for sharing these insights with us today. Daniel, I greatly appreciate it. Um, this was a lot of fun. Uh, thanks for having me. Well, that's going to do it for this episode of Insights. Thanks to our guest, Tom Vogel. You can hear Tom speak on Workforce Management Solutions in a free educational webinar on Tuesday, October 19th. Go to mgma.com slash events to register today. Or you can click on the link in the podcast show notes for a direct link to register. Also, thanks to MDVIP and to CareCloud for sponsoring this week's show. CareCloud's free revenue cycle assessment uncovers billing mistakes so you can see how to claim every last dollar. Get your free assessment by visiting carecloud.com slash assessment. And in the October 13th free webinar, Boost Satisfaction and Revenue with an Innovative Primary Care Model, learn how MDVIP affiliated practices achieved unparalleled satisfaction while generating healthy returns by meeting the changing needs of patients. Go to mgma.com slash events to register today. And finally, you can accelerate your path to medical practice leadership by joining us in San Diego, October 24th through the 27th at the Medical Practice Excellence Leaders Conference. Or join us for our digital experience, November 16th through the 18th. Visit mgma.com slash mpe21 and register today. If you like the show, please rate and review it wherever you get your podcast. If you have topics you'd like us to cover or experts you'd like us to interview, email us at podcast at mgma.com or find me on Twitter at mgma.daniel. MGMA Insights is presented by Declan McGee, Rob Ketchum, and I'm Daniel Williams. Stay safe, and thanks for listening. Hi, this is Declan McGee, one of the producers for the MGMA Insights podcast. If you like the work we're doing, please consider becoming an MGMA member. Learn more at mgma.com membership. Thanks.